What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ready Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez, and tonight I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony Perry. 49ers won 31-13. Hell of a win. Anthony, real quick, what did you think of the win? Wow, it was just a dominating effort. And, I mean, we talked about it before the show started. The first few possessions, it was like, okay, you know, this could be one of those games where Atlanta might just hang around for a little bit. But eventually the defense just got the best of Matt Ryan, man. Arden Key, Nick Bosa, DJ Jones, Kevin Givens, everyone on the defensive line was just absolutely getting after Matt Ryan, and they gave him hell all afternoon. I saw a stat on Twitter that said that the Niners pressured Matt Ryan 27 times out of 35 dropbacks. That's an unbelievable amount, and that's just off the pass rush alone. So you could say that the defense single-handedly dominated this game, but we got to give respect to the offense, man. Jimmy Garoppolo... The GOAT, the legend, the guy whose jersey I'm actually wearing, believe it or not, that guy had a hell of a game today. The stats weren't exactly like blow up the scoreboard type of thing. 18 of 23, 235 yards, one touchdown. Kind of typical for like a game managing Jimmy type of day. But there were a lot of throws he was hitting that just make you go, man, you know, where is this on a week-to-week basis? But this was good Jimmy today. No interceptions, no turnovers. Had, had a little fumble off the snap, but the Niners recovered the ball, so nothing lost at all. So overall, the Niners just played a solid game of football, and they just dominated the Falcons. There's not much more to say, man. It was it felt like it was one of the most complete games we've seen in a while. Outside of the hasty fumble, I really thought the Niners just played solid, solid football. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, they got a little kind of complacent in the fourth quarter. Offense kind of stalled out a bit. I would have liked to have seen them keep their foot on the gas because, I mean, the defense, aside from a couple bomb passes down the field from Matt Ryan, they played lights out today. Like you said, those pressures on the majority of the snaps. Um, Arden Key has been such a fantastic addition to this defense. Um, when Bosa went out for a couple plays and he got evaluated for a concussion, it, it, they might have missed a little bit, but really there wasn't that much of a drop-off. The defense kind of still kept the pressure up, and it was really good to see. Ambry Thomas, he had another tough game, but it's kind of expected at this point. He's a rookie. He's just getting into things. Um, so I thought the defense really helped the 49ers get this job done because although the offense got out to that big lead, they kind of stalled in the fourth quarter, like I said, and we would have liked to have seen them continue to keep the foot on the gas but they did enough, um, and the defense was able to overcome not having Alshair, which I was a little afraid was going to come back to, to kind of bite, but no, they didn't. So I, I, I appreciate and I respect the performance from the defense. Um, does the secondary scare you at all, Anthony? Oh, I think you're muted. Okay. I forget I'm, I was on mute. <laughs> I want to give Ambry Thomas the benefit of the doubt. Like you said, he's a rookie. It's only his second game. Russell Gage, I mean, he's not like, you know, Julio or A.J. Brown or anything like that. But Russell Gage is a respectable wide receiver. And he was just, it was Moss and Ambry all afternoon. And then Kyle Pitts gets lined up on Ambry. <laughs> then Kyle Pitts mosses Ambry. There were a lot of just fantastic balls being thrown by Ryan and catches being made against Ambry. So some of it was like, you know what, there's not much you can do. It felt like Ambry was in the right position more often than not. But overall, he just, I thought he had a really good day. I was really proud of Ambry, and you know what? It's a rookie thing. He just needs time to develop. But like you said, with the secondary, the overall picture, it does worry me because if you know push comes to shove and something happens more to Mosley or, God forbid, any other Niners cornerback, going in the playoffs with Ambry Thomas is <laughs> it's a little scary. Now you're matching up Ambry Thomas against someone like Dak, 
or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or even Kyler or Matt Stafford. You know, it's a scary, scary thing to think about. So Emmanuel Mosley needs to come back soon. But as it stands right now, the Niners can live and die with Ambry Thomas. It's not like he's single-handedly costing the team the games. It's still the regular season. He still has a whole complete team around him to kind of pick him up when they need him to. And that's okay. But again, Ambry Thomas, if it comes down to it, him in the playoffs, that's when I get really concerned about the secondary, Zach, because we saw it today. Like Tart got banged up. He got his ankle rolled up pretty bad, but he came back in and he was fine. But Hufanga was already out and then you missed Tart and then you put Jared Wilson in the third stringer. It's like, okay, now you're missing one of your key safeties, one of your key secondary guys. And we saw what happened last week when Tart and Ward were both out, if I'm not mistaken. It can get pretty ugly. Or I'm sorry, the week before against Seattle. Yeah. It can be pretty ugly. So the secondary just absolutely needs to be healthy. And we saw Norman get burnt toast today as well. So <laughs> on the other side of the ball, it's not exactly pretty too. But yeah, I, I know that was a long run on, but I would be a bit concerned about the secondary. Yeah. Um, and by the way, guys, if you're tuning in on Twitter, we're not ignoring your comments. We just, the way Twitter stream is set up, we cannot see them. So head over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash 49ers hive and join there, comment there. We'd love to interact with your comments um, and break down the game together. But the way Twitter has their streaming set up, we can't see or interact with anything. So go to our YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, I, I really do think the 49ers, they've done a fantastic job of hiding their kind of deficiencies in the secondary. I don't know how they've done it, but they keep showing the stat, which amazes me to this day. They're like top 10 in passing defense, which is just mind boggling to me because there's such a, it's such a liability game in game out. It seems like every single time opposing quarterbacks test the 49ers deep down the field, they succeed. And it's like, I don't understand why teams just don't do that. We saw that last week against uh, the Bengals, Joe Burrow, was having kind of trouble, not really getting much going. And then as soon as he was going deep and testing Ambry Thomas, Josh Norman, these corners deep, he was finding success. Matt Ryan did the same thing today. So the the Niners, whatever they're doing, getting that pressure up front, I know really helps. It diminishes the time the quarterback has to let the receiver get down the field and, and throw that bomb. That needs to continue. That's the winning formula for this 49ers team um, because – they're able to win games like that, man. My hats, I tip my hat to them because that's a very tough thing to do. And I just want to recognize Joey's comment right here. He said, Ambry was mismatched, excuse me, mismatched against a dude half a foot and 60 pounds bigger. I like the kid. He'll grow as a corner. I agree. It's look three weeks in a row. Ever since the Funders have basically thrown him into the fire, you got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and then you get Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd. Um, there's another receiver I'm forgetting right now for the Bengals. And then today, you know, Kyle Pitts, uh, Zacchaeus. There's a bunch of tough receivers that they're asking this rookie to go in and cover. So I think he will get better. It's just going to, it's tough that the 49ers are asking the most of him when the games mean the most. And when you're potentially going to get into some playoffs where you get the best of the best. Um, did you want to t- speak on anything else in the defense, Anthony, before we switch over to the offense? Yeah, I want to jump on the Ambry thing, like you said. I mean, the dude has had absolutely brutal matchups the past two weeks. I mean, I don't know when Russell Gage decided to turn into Randy Moss and then Kyle Pitts decided to just play up to his level because he's been pretty good this season, really good for a rookie tight end, but he hasn't been like up to the expectations everyone set him on early on. 
So for Kyle Pitts to come out and just absolutely manhandle Ambry, like Joey said, dude, Ambry or Pitts has like a foot and a half on the guys. So it's a tough matchup for Ambry. So I don't want to hold that against him. He did the best he could. And I mean, I would have much rather seen Ambry out there than like Drake Patrick or Brian Allen back in the day. You know, that was pretty ugly. I don't even want to think about those days. So yeah, I think we touched on the defense, man. I thought everyone looked fantastic. It was a bit of a concern. I thought missing Aziz Alshire at first, but everything was fine. Fred Warner absolutely had his best game of the season, in my opinion. He was all over the place. And just credit to him. Him being back on the field was key. You miss disease, you put Fred Warner back out there, and everything looks good. And I think he just kind of re-solidified why he's the best linebacker in the NFL. Yeah, really well said. This was a great game from Warner. Best of the season, like you said. Shout out to Matt. Matt can't make it. He's working tonight, but he is contributing through comments. And he said defensive line hides a lot of weaknesses and forces coordinators to dial up shorter throws. Perry, does that not sound like 2019 Niners defense? And I know fans are sick of this kind of comparison to the 2019, but that's what my mind goes (laughs) to. It it is. It is very reminiscent of 2019. And I didn't really want to say it on Twitter. I think I did. But like just today's game felt like a just a complete utter dominance that felt like 2019. The pressure was everywhere. Receivers were making catches. The run game was eating. Just everything on every side of the ball was just feasting. And I don't like comparing to 2019, but man, did I get those vibes today. And I don't want to get my hopes up just because this year has been very funky and it's been a lot different. But man, when you see how the team could play today, even if Atlanta sucks, I'll, I'll say that much. Atlanta is a horrible team and I can't believe they're even six and seven, but for them to just go out and smack Atlanta, this was the game where it was like, I don't care if Atlanta was good or bad. You had to win this game. Yeah. And then and Grant Cohn even said it, everyone's favorite Cohn said, this is a game that the Niners needed to steamroll Atlanta to prove to us that they are playoff contenders. Yeah. And they did. And yeah. I have a touch. I want to hold back on about the Niners being playoff contenders, like making a deep run, but they did prove to me that they have what it takes to go up against any team, even if Atlanta sucks. <laughs> yeah, and I look, I said it a few weeks back and a couple people in the, the, in the chat, excuse me, kind of roasted me, but I said, look, we remember the Giants sneaking in kind of ass backwards into the playoffs a few about a decade ago as a wild card. They kind of caught fire late in the season and they won. You know, they won it all. It's like, I'm not here saying that, but it is possible. And this team, I forget who said, I think it was maybe our guy Eric Crocker said, look, when this team is good, they can be up there with the best of them. They can compete with just about anybody. But when they're bad, they look very bad and embarrassing at times. So it's like Jekyll and Hyde, which 49ers team are we going to get? The last, what, six out of eight weeks, we've gotten very good Niners teams. So it's impressive how they've been able to turn around the season after that kind of, I think there were three and five, if I remember correctly, at one point, kind of an abysmal start. Kudos to Kyle Shanahan, you know, kind of staring down another losing season in the face and saying, you know, screw off, we got this. Um, I wanted to touch on, though, Brandon had commented in here earlier. Can we talk about that sorry-ass penalty on Arden Key? Such BS. So for those watching, if you don't remember listening, sack on third down, Arden Key's hyped, and it was one of the cleanest sacks thing I've ever seen. He just basically bear-hugged Matt Ryan from behind and fell on him. Very gentle, nothing much, and it got flagged for roughing the passer. What did you think of that, Anthony? It was so bad. It was so bad. You know me. I'm always sending you links like, oh, bro, retweet this because this is so bad, man. It, just, it was awful. And that's just 
you kind of have to suck it up at the end of the day because that is the epitome of the NFL. I mean, that's been the story. You have all the terrible taunting calls going on. You have all the terrible celebration calls, and you still have the roughing the passer calls that get called. So overall, it just it's another game where the officials really could have single-handedly decided the outcome, and that did because the play after Matt Ryan threw for a touchdown against poor Ambry Thomas, who got mossed again, you know? And it's just things like that that really make you, like, frustrated because Arden Key had a very well-earned sack. That was. He should have had, I think, two for the game. Instead, he finished with one, which is still great, but it should have been two. And it's frustrating because we've seen it historically how non-calls and calls can decide games. We saw it in the Super Bowl. We've seen it plenty of times last year. We saw it plenty of times this year. And this was just another game where it gives up a touchdown and all of a sudden you're going, well, this is another game where the Niners might just have to keep you on the edge of your seat just because, like, against Cincinnati, you don't know what's going to happen. And even if it's something as fluky as that, you just got to you gotta bite your tongue and just play. And I give Arden Key props, man, because he didn't let that demoralize him. He still had a monumental game today. Yeah, totally. And like I said to start the show, he's been fantastic for the 49ers. Um, a huge addition. And I think – I forget who tweeted it out. I'm sorry. I should have given you credit, but they said something like he had like three sacks in three seasons with the Raiders or something like that. And he's got five on the year. It's, it's just fantastic. So I, I really do want to shout out to Arden key. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to say something about that too. So months ago in, in August, I had tweeted, I really thought Arden key could be a seven to 10 sack guy. I, I was ripped on. It was like, no way, Arden Key, he sucks. All the Raiders fans are like, he's terrible. That's don't even, you know, why are you saying this? Blah, 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 blah. And I was looking at my older tweets and I was like, man, Arden Key in college looks pretty good. And then I knew going in that he had some weight issues and he had some routine issues. And I mean, what better situation to end up in than Oakland? where you end up with weight issues. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you get you get underutilized in Oakland. And then you come to San Francisco where you get to play alongside Bosa. You get to play alongside Armstead and Jones and work with Chris Kosirik and work with a top three defense in the league. And look what happens. Art, someone in the chat said Arden Key is just a rotational guy. And he is. He's a rotational guy with five sacks. And that that's already more than you can ask for from him. Yeah. The fact that he's even got five to begin with is insane. And he likely will finish the year with seven. And that's just, I, I mean, we expected that kind of production out of D Ford, who's been hurt. But the fact that we're getting that out of Arden Key, of all people who everyone thought was just like maybe a depth signing who would get a few snaps, but now he is a key piece on the defensive line. Who would have thought? And he he's just had a huge career turnaround and he's on a one-year deal. So then I think the Niners will have to end up bringing him back because he has been just on a roll the past few weeks. Yeah, he, he really has. Um, Ace Press says, I didn't like how Debo was taking runs at the end of the game. I, I the, Kyle Shanahan was asked, um, should you have taken the starters out at any point? And he basically said no, because the last time we played this team, we were down 14 and they won. I I, I mean, it's kind of a, I don't know. I, I don't really agree with that answer. Every game is different, but I, I see where he's coming from. Um, did you agree with that, Anthony? Would you have taken out any starters at any point? Man, you know, when after Kyle said that, I was like, well, shit, he's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, we did this blue lead two seasons ago against Atlanta. And I mean, we've seen the blown leads happen all throughout the season. But at the same time, it kind of maybe this is a little too conspiracy -y, I guess, but the, I feel like that kind of falls on coaching confidence. I mean, if you're a coach, you got to be confident that you can put your backups out there and still be able to execute. And I know their backups for a reason. And I know 
with backups, you do have to temper the expectations quite a bit. But still, you, you got a three-score lead. You got about five to four minutes left. You have a huge turnaround against Tennessee next week. Or this week, I'm sorry, they play Thursday in Tennessee, who is going to be pissed off because they just lost to 40-year-old Ben Roethlisberger, you know, and they're going to be playing pissed. And you got to keep these guys healthy. So seeing Warner, seeing Bosa out there, then, I mean, even with like a minute left, it's like, come on. You know, I, I really am not a fan of that. And I don't want to go on and on saying that, you know, being too negative about it. But it is frustrating because we know the Niners is injury luck throughout the year, throughout the entire Shanahan tenure. God forbid Nick Bosa goes out there for a crappy 10-second play left when the, you're up three scores and he tears an ACL or something, you know? And that's already happened once. <laughs> so it's like, it's just seeing that it, it is very frustrating, but I digress, man. It's Shanahan does have a point. And if that's what he really believes in, then you kind of just have to roll with it. Yeah. So, I mean, I would have liked to have seen them. I think the main thing was, like you said, um, they do turn around and play in four days. I mean, they have a Thursday night game against a really tough team in the Tennessee Titans who were kind of competing for first place in the AFC South. So I know they got the they they took an L today, but they're still a very tough team, and I wouldn't have minded him taking out some starters at all. I thought we were going to see Trey Lance at some point today because just how wide of a gap they were. But it seemed like the way Matt Ryan was competing, completing passes deep down the field, it could get really quickly to a one to two score game. So I think that's maybe why Kyle Shanahan was a little hesitant. So it's like I see both sides. I just didn't like the fact that he used a 2019 matchup. I believe they didn't play last year, right? They didn't play last year. So. No, they didn't have a matchup so, yeah, last year. 2019 matchup yeah. to as his reason why. Um, but yeah, this comment from Ace Red. Debo taking chains and knocking out mouthpieces. Tell me you saw that run down to the goal line. Yeah, Knock yeah, that yeah. guy's mouthpiece out. <laughs> Dude, when I saw the hit and the mouthpiece flying, I was like, so because on the broadcast, they were like, oh, it's a face mask. And I was like, no, 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 no. That looked like a mouth guard. <laughs> and AJ Terrell, I think, was just laying there like, <laughs> you know, he's on the ground like, I'm like holy shit. Yep. Debo is just, you know, he takes chains. He takes mouthpieces. He takes lives. The dude just, he's been insane. And yep. a lot of people are talking Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup being the, you know, offense player of the year. I'm sorry, man. Debo Samuel said in NFL records, you know, wide receiver rushing touchdowns, franchise records as well. It's I'm trying to take my homerism aside because Debo Samuel has single-handedly been a huge piece to the offense. And without him, it really makes you wonder where the offense could be. And offensive player of the year should go to someone who is the most valuable. And I think without Cup and without Taylor, Colts and the Rams will still be good. Without Debo, though, <laughs> nah, man, I think the offense is terrible. So taking mouthpieces and man, and winning awards because Debo is just a monster, an absolute monster. Yeah, I, I totally agree. What he's done for the 49ers offense has been nothing short of remarkable. Um, guys, share this stream if you're watching on Twitter. I know I said go to our YouTube. If you're still watching on Twitter, you don't want to uh, comment or anything like that. Just hit retweet, hit like. It helps us grow. If you're watching on YouTube, hit like and subscribe. It also helps us grow. Drop a comment in the chat. We want to read them all. Once we reach 2,000 subscribers, we're going to be giving away a 49ers jersey. Help us get there. We're about 100 away. Maybe we can get there by the end of the year. Help us get there. Um, Perry, next thing, or real quick before I move on, this comment from Debo, he was asked in the presser right now about his physical play and knocking out uh, the Falcons' DB's mouthpiece, and he says, not too many defensive backs want a part of that. I totally agree. It, there's, I, They're like shying away from contact, and, and he's totally embracing it. You don't see this that often out of a wide receiver, 
And I really just think that speaks to kind of the style of this San Francisco 49ers team, the way they play. They're gritty. They fight for extra yards. I, George Kittle fights. He, he tried to take on six men today. That's something I've never seen a player do. I mean, he caught the ball, turned around, and there were six defenders there, and he still was kind of trying to fight them. So this Diners team, they got heart and they got grit, and I think that's that will take them as far as they can go. Um, you so know, I really do respect it. it. It's crazy because, like you said, with Bosa and Kittle and how they run, I mean, Ayuk is physical. Jennings is physical. Jeff Wilson is physical. Kyle Juszczyk had a nasty cut in his, on his six-yard rushing touchdown. It was a filthy cut to get in. And the way I look at it is they may not compare to the guy, but they all run like a bunch of Derrick Henrys. It's pretty remarkable, I think. I mean, they might not be throwing stiff arms, but they are just hard to tackle. Kittle is just fighting for yards on every single play. And it's football. It's a tiring sport. And then on top of that, you're getting ran on for 100 yards a game. You're down three scores or two scores at the time. It's like, you know, it's demoralizing. Why do you want to go out and tackle if you just know you're going to get your ass kicked? And, I mean, Matt Ryan wasn't looking good. The defense wasn't looking good. Everything on the Atlanta Falcons was just low morale. And then that just makes physicality that much more demoralizing towards Atlanta. So when you have those guys playing like that, when you have Debo just knocking mouth guards out, you don't want to tackle them. And those are the type of things that make you concerned if you're another playoff team going, fuck, excuse my language, I really don't want to play the Niners. I mean, yeah, you got Garoppolo to worry about, but physicality is huge. It really is. And if you're afraid to tackle or if you don't, if you want to make a career decision, sometimes that could be the difference between the game. Ace bro, thanks for the love. Yeah, appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, Ian brought up a very good point. Ian Sharp, he said, those late hits on Kittle are dangerous. And that's a good point as well. You know, when you're fighting for the extra yards, you're already kind of basically the play's over, but the whistle hasn't been blown. That's when those late hits kind of come in. You can get a helmet-to-helmet collision. That might not be called. Look at Elijah Mitchell. I mean, he's been out two weeks with a concussion. I know and the knee, but part of that is concussion. He took a helmet-to-helmet hit, wasn't called. Um, they can be dangerous. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. You can fight for the extra yards, but you got to know you could also take a late hit. So you got to take it all. Um, This comment here, though, can we talk about Jawan Jennings? The rise of Jawan Jennings this season, would you say he has all but replaced Kendrick Bourne in this offense? Yeah, 100%. I can confidently say that too. And I know if Matt's in the chat, Matt will say the same thing also. I mean, in our chat, I say it's bargain bin KB. And it's been amazing. And I think Jennings has just been just as successful as Kendrick Bourne. I mean, tonight, I think Jennings had, yeah, six targets, uh, three catches, 28 yards, and a touchdown. But I think both, I think all three catches were the touchdown and two of them were first downs. Mm-hmm. And they were, it was just, Amazing. He would have had a he would have had a fourth first down if he didn't drop that one near the end of the game. But you know the game's kind of out, out of reach, so it's whatever. But yeah, man, Jennings just it's you see David Yank says he had three drops. I mean he's basically a rookie. He didn't play all of last year. But no, I give Jennings the benefit, man. He has filled out the Kendrick Bourne role remarkably, and he's another guy that just fights for yards and is very physical. And last week when he won that really nice jump ball on third down, that kind of made me open my eyes a bit to how he plays. And you watch him, and it's like this dude is physical at the point of attack. And Ayuk and Debo don't really get those chances to be that kind of wide receiver because Jimmy doesn't throw him those kind of balls. But he does the Jennings. And when you see Jennings make those kind of catches, it's like – well, no wonder why this guy just got a red zone target because the guy gets open and he's physical and he wants to catch. And that's why he also gets targets for first downs because the guy just makes catches. If he has drops, that's fine. I'll deal with the drops if it means he's making catches on first downs. 
and he's only a second year player. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to go that far and say he 100% has, but the production they're getting out of him is extremely promising, and he's getting very close. He's getting very close. I would say he's trending on the path of replacing that KB-type role for the 49ers offense. He's becoming a red zone threat. Like you said, he's good on on third down conversions. Um, That play, I believe it was in overtime. It was either overtime or the last drive of the fourth quarter where he caught that back shoulder pass on like third and long. That's the first time I've seen a 49ers receiver catch that type of pass since like, I don't know, Jalen Hurd in that preseason game. Like it's been so long and that adds such a huge element to this offense. And he's big. He's a big dude that he's over what, 6'2", I want to say. He's a big guy. And I know he lost a little bit of weight, but the size is still there and he plays extremely physically. So I wouldn't quite say Jawan Jennings is equal to or better than KB yet in this offense, but the way it's trending, he might be pretty soon, you know, but going into next season, 49ers fans might be saying KB who, you know, it's all about JJ now. Um, There's a comment here that I wanted to address from David Yang. He said, what's up with our special teams? Coverage has been horrible and Mitch hasn't been able to kick the ball into the end zone. I wonder if Mitch is pooch kicking it, excuse me, pooch kicking the kickoffs because he can't or strategy. What do you think? I saw the hasty kick, right? And then I saw the second one and I saw that the kicker for Atlanta kicked the short both times. I think it's cool that does those kicks, if not Morstead. Both guys have big legs. I don't know if it was Wendy and Santa Clara or not, because it seemed like that was the strategy for both teams. Um, I was kind of watching Wisnowski throughout the past few weeks, and he seems like he's been fine. I haven't really noticed anything that's been terrible, because, again, Richard Hightower has been giving him lots of praise, because Wisnowski has had lots of hang time on his punts, and that's huge. Today, maybe not so much. I think it was just kind of a windier day at Santa Clara or something, because that's what it just seemed like the way the kicks are going. But also, too, I also want to comment that I think the short kicks on kickoffs, it's its a copycat league. Hasty fumbled on the short kick like that, and he almost fumbled on the second one, too, because the ball bounced in front of him, and he, and he kind of kicked it out of bounds. He wasn't going to take that chance again. So when you see that happening, you're going to take advantage of a player struggling with kicks, and that's just exactly what Atlanta was doing. Ah, low tower is still dumpster. You know what? I will admit, Tommy, I'm not a high tower fan. I haven't been. Our good guy, Stuart Mathurin, he is not a Hightower fan either. We have been complaining about Hightower ever since he came in. Uh, Ali doesn't like Hightower because the Niners never run fake punts. <laughs> so, high t- you, know, <laughs> you know, Hightower is uh, – it, he's frustrating. It, it is frustrating to see that special teams has been very inconsistent throughout the season. But you do see it. I mean, the past few weeks, special teams has cranked it up quite a bit. I mean, a couple of fumbles, even if the Bengals guys screwed up. Wisnowski has had some nice punts. Robbie Gold seems to have cleaned it up a little bit. So things are trending, but I think it's the thought of it being inconsistent can be a little, it's a little shaky. But uh, Dumpster Juice, man, ah. <laughs> man, I don't know about today. Their special teams was okay today, except for Hasty. Yeah, that, that, was, that was very unfortunate. And it's even more unfortunate because he had looked good. I think last week was the first week that we'd seen him take kickoffs in a while. And he had looked pretty good. He was he was doing good, and he had that fumble. I know it got knocked out, but and then the second kickoff he took back, sun was in his eyes, and luckily they caught it, and it went out of bounds. But, the, I mean, the first two drives, they had horrible field position because of Jermichael Hasty single-handedly handing that to the 49ers. Um, Tommy Huxley, or who was it? Let's see. For, for someone of the, Somebody asked here, when does – oh, here we go. Fantasy Guru, when can Emmanuel Mosley play again? This Thomas guy isn't ready. 
So they put him on IR um, back in December 11th, I believe. Yeah. So the Texans game in January 2nd is the soonest he can return um, if he's healthy enough to do so, which the 49ers, if he can't return for that game, maybe just keep him out. I mean, the Texans aren't really threatening anybody. So if they got a playoff spot secure and he needs another extra week or so, I would be in favor for them just keeping him out. Um, David Yang says, Ebicom and Kia trending up these past four weeks. The front four is becoming scary. Yeah, I mean, it's so nice that they're able to get some production outside of Nick Bosa. Um, Anthony, I think you said it best. They were kind of hoping for D Ford to return and give them that extra production. That didn't happen, but they're still getting it from guys like Samson Ebicom, Arden Key. Um, and like you said earlier, too, these are depth rotational guys, and they're still getting pressure, and they're still generating sacks. That's huge. That really is huge. Um, David Yang says, Tart made some huge plays in the red zone today, keeping the Falcons from scoring. I wanted to talk about this, Anthony, the 49ers defense. So the Falcons ran five plays from inside the 49ers one yard line today, and they didn't score a touchdown on any of them. They had three goal line stops from first and goal all the way. Each one used all four plays and they got turnovers on all of them. How big was that for the 49ers today? You know, I don't want to be negative, but I really don't like Greg Papa on the radio. I am not a fan of his Niners, you know, uh, broadcasting at all. So I was driving home, right? I didn't get to see, I actually didn't get to see that, but I was listening to it on the way home and Papa was just going off, man. He was just saying, oh my gosh, you know, the stop, another stop, another stop. And I couldn't believe it. And it's stuff like that where I think throughout Shanahan's tenure, even with Robert Sala, it seemed like the Niners struggled just a bit with goal line defense. And D'Amico Ryan steps in, and the goal line defense has been really good. Let's see, the offense had sway with the pathetic Falcons division. Yeah, they suck. But no, the, the goal line defense was remarkable. And it's stuff like that where it's like they are missing Al Shire. They are missing D Ford. There are still key pieces missing. And they're going out there executing. And again, I don't think Atlanta's offense is a pushover. I mean, Atlanta has sucked, but Matt Ryan's still, you know, a top 20 quarterback, in my opinion. Kyle Pitts is a nightmare in the end zone. Uh, Russell Gage has been good. Zacchaeus isn't bad. So the Falcons have all kinds of, you know, weapons on offense. But the fact that they were really able to just limit them entirely and shut them down in the end zone, unbelievable. And I think another thing, too, is the fact that we never really heard Cordero Patterson's name called on too much. He was the one guy I thought would have a fantastic day just because Cordero's been really good. And you know what? Patterson, 11 carries, 18 yards, 1.6 a carry. He also had two catches for five yards. You want to talk talk about shutting down one of the best multi-faceted you know, faceted weapons in the league? Cordero Patterson was hot. He was absolutely hot coming into this game. The past few weeks, he was just 100% on fire. D- Domingo Ryan shut that shit down quick. The entire defense absolutely shut that crap down. Russell Gage may have had a day, but really you can get away with that because I thought Cordero was more of the concern. And the fact that he just didn't do anything – at all i mean no no type of positive play whatsoever as long as carry was four yards i mean come on this is just it's just amazing i thought D'Amico had a excellent play calling day i thought i really thought it was his best game of the season and he was just able to execute when it mattered most and the only times that it didn't happen was when ambry thomas was getting mossed (laughs) you know that was pretty much it and then yeah yeah, tart speared ryan Oh my gosh, I forgot who else was on him. I think Marcel Harris. Yeah. Marcel Harris had him wrapped up in the end zone, right? Or like as Ryan's running in. And out of nowhere, Tart just comes in, busts Matt Ryan out of camera. <laughs> Can't even see Matt Ryan on TV. And it was just, it was a good day for Tart. 
after he rolled his ankle, I was like, shit, shit, like, no way, this just happened. And then he came back in, and then he made some amazing plays. So, man, Tart's valuable. He, he is really valuable. I thought for sure that was going to be a touchdown with Matt yeah, Ryan was kind of carrying 100%. it around the corner. Um, and somehow he was able to get stuck, and he got completely stood up by, by Tart. And I was so impressed by that, and they ended up getting the stop. I think that was kind of where the game – when you look at it, that's kind of where it was because the Falcons offense did have success moving the ball up and down the field and getting it inside the 10. But those three goal line stops, you know, fourth down, uh, one through fourth down for three series, that's huge. It's 12 plays, five, as I said earlier, were inside the one. None of them got a touchdown. So that was huge for the 49ers, uh, their defense to kind of just completely show up and, and you know, overpower the the excuse me, the Falcons offense. Um, David Yank said D'Amico Ryan's ability to make in-game adjustments is why he's better than Robert Sala. That's kind of a hot take. So what do you think, Anthony? You can go first. Robert Sala was a fantastic defensive coordinator. I don't want to take that away from him. But he also had a lot of benefits of 2019's defense, 2020's defense, where when the quarterbacks weren't turning the ball over, the defense was executing last season. And I think Salah had a lot to do with that. I also think that some of the playmakers he had had a lot to do with that also. So to say that D'Amico is better at in-game adjustments might be a bit of a stretch because we saw last week where the Niners couldn't really adjust to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And, I mean, they are excellent wide receivers. They are really hard to stop. But there is a way where you got to go, okay, how can we slow this down? And the Niners couldn't really do that. And I think at least once or twice – a game this season, you see a big play wide receiver, a big play running back or tight end make some kind of play against the Niners' defense, and it kind of stretches out for a bit. I mean, it's like, for example, like the Packers game, right? Two straight passes to Devontae Adams where the middle of the field is open. And I know Fred Warner admitted in that game I needed to sink back more, but it's just Devontae Adams. You got to know. You got Aaron Rodgers, you got Devontae Adams, 40 plus seconds left. You have too much time. You got to know to stop him. So it's a bit of a stretch, but I will agree to an extent that I think D'Amico has been really, really good at making adjustments this year, especially for a first year DC, because I feel like early on in the season, we didn't really see those adjustments as much. But I think now that D'Amico has gotten more comfortable in his position, has really gotten to understand the nuances of the position and how his guys operate and what they do, I think that's given them a good, like, like a good foundation to make adjustments and he's been able to do that accordingly yeah i i totally agree i wouldn't say he's he's already proven that he's better than robert sala but he's done a fantastic job and i that 2019 defense was pretty star studded maybe not necessarily star but there are a lot of key contributors and a lot of them left um the four were able to keep some of the core pieces but what i think um Bryant has been able to do this season with some kind of lesser known guys. Yes, he's got Bosa. Yes, he has Warner. But the secondary has been, you know, a huge liability for the 49ers ever since Verrett went down. And then, of course, after Mosley went down, they lost their two top corners and they're still in the top 10 in passing defense. That's huge. Like I said earlier, so they're doing a great job. Um, I wouldn't say he's better than Sala yet. I want to see a full solid season out of him before I give him that crown. But it's been extremely impressive. Um, what would you say stood out to you the most in this win? Because it seemed like the 49ers are kind of clicking on all games. Fans are saying this was the most complete game from the Niners. What stood out to you when you look at this game? You know what stood out to me? My favorite player, 
<laughs> I was waiting for running back in the whole league, <laughs> Jeff Wilson Jr. He had a a dynamic day today, man. He was just hitting holes left and right. I saw Christian in our chat said he's slow. I was like, man, get out of here. He's average running back speed. <laughs> no, Jeff, Jeff Wilson was a nightmare for the Falcons today, man. And that goes back to our conversation about physicality. I the reason why I like Jeff Wilson and why he runs so hard is because he runs a lot like Adrian Peterson. Eric Crocker said that a long time ago that he thought that Jeff Wilson looks a lot like AP when he runs because he's just so physical. He runs really tall, but he also runs like a truck too. He's not afraid to run right through you. And Jeff Wilson today was just a nightmare, man. Let's see. Uh, 21 carries 110 yards over five, a carry and a touchdown. And it just, he only had a long of 17, but it just felt like it was, Five yards, 10 yards, eight yards, seven yards, just all afternoon. And Jeff Wilson and the 49ers offensive line, they were just blocking beautifully. So for you know, individuality, man, I got to give a shout out to Jeff Wilson Jr. That is really what stood out to me because I think after the hasty fumbles, you put him in the backfield and even though he only got a couple carries, it's like hold the ball, you know. And then you don't want to feed Debo for 20 plus carries. So you got to go with Jeff Wilson. And Jeff Wilson had a really, really good day. <laughs> that's my guy, man. I'm proud of Jeff Wilson Jr. He had a hell of a game. And that's, you know me, man. That's my guy. I got to get hyped for the guy. He's, I don't have his jersey, but I think if he comes back another season, I, I think I'll commit to his jersey. That'll be my, my New Year's investment. Yeah. You know, it was a, it was a good performance from Jeff Wilson. It was, I was a little nervous going into this game without Aziz Al-Shahir, without Elijah Mitchell for the second straight game. And I'm like, I don't know how they're going to get a second week in a row a running game going without Mitchell because Mitchell has been so explosive for this 49ers offense. Wilson came in, you know, averaged five yards a carry, 21 carries, 110 yards, a long of 17, and a touchdown on the ground. That's that's impressive, and I, I really do tip my hat to Jeff Wilson's performance today because that's exactly what the Niners needed out of their starting running back replacing Elijah Mitchell. So I really do appreciate that. But I'm going to go with George Kittle, seven yards shy of his third straight 100-yard game. Yeah, that was tough, but still, guys, six receptions for 93 yards, um, a long of 28, average 15.5 yards a uh, catch, Six targets. So six catches on six targets. He didn't drop a single thing. Jimmy Garoppolo is automatic when he goes to George Kittle, it seems like. And that's like 75% because Kittle just catches everything. But it still is huge. And NBC Sports Bay Area tweeted out um, the 49ers, or excuse me, Kittle now has the most receiving yards by a tight end in any three-game stretch in NFL history with 425 yards. He, excuse me, he's tied with Darren Waller. I'm, I'm, I missed that on the chart. Tied with Darren Waller for most in NFL history by a tight end in three games, 425 yards. That's huge if, if you know, Kittle is as good as anybody, really. So I really want to tip my hat to George Kittle because the last two weeks we saw him go off for like 151 and like 130 something like, and now George Kittle again, seven yards away from 100. So he's huge what he can do for this offense having him Debo on the outside Brandon on the outside now you're getting Juwan Jennings coming up Elijah Mitchell once he's back healthy with a tandem Mitchell uh Wilson that's a scary offense I mean honestly and, and I hate to say it but it seems like the only thing holding that offense back could be the quarterback but when we see games like today where Jimmy's on nothing's holding them back um so I really do I really do appreciate that Joey says, watching Jeff makes me miss Mostert. I see him hit an open hole and get eight yards, and all I could think is he could have gotten 20. 
<laughs> that is true. That is true. That's just that heme speed, though. David Yank says, Matt's not going to like the love Perry's giving Jeff Wilson Jr. <laughs> no, he's not. Matt's a Jeff Wilson hater. <laughs> Matt, I think Matt knows I like Jeff Wilson, so he's got to give him hate. Nah, Matt, Matt gave Jeff Wilson some love today. He did. He gave him a little bit of love. So Matt's got the soft side, you know. <laughs> Matt Matt is a little softy when it comes to, you know, some guys doing well. <laughs> Jeff Wilson was one of them. So I can respect to Matt for that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Now, Matt, Matt, Matt has been very vocal about his dislike for Jeff Wilson, but he did say, you know, shout out Jeff Wilson. He had a good game today in the chat. So um, I really do think that he was huge. He was huge today. Um, the 49ers, we talked about this. If you guys didn't check it out, I had Theo Ash of the Stay Hot podcast from Blue Wire on yesterday on our YouTube channel. Go and check that out. He was a great, great interview. He broke down this game, what to expect, the 49ers, um, playoff chances. And he said something very interesting that I'll talk about in a bit right after this, but go check that out. Theo Ash, he calls himself, uh, the TikTok's NFL thought leader leading, uh, excuse me, TikTok's NFL leading Leading NFL thought leader. I can get that right one time, but he's great. He knows a lot about football and he was a great guest. Um, this is from Nick Wagner of ESPN. A good blowout win against an inferior opponent for the 49ers today at eight and six. They now have an 88% chance to make the playoffs per ESPN's FPI. An interesting week coming with Tennessee on a short week, but followed with some needed downtime over the weekend. So we talked about this and our guy Ted had it in his, his preview piece on 49ershive.com. If they won this game, 88% chance they make the playoffs. But if they lost, it went all the way down to 43%. So the chances are looking really good, Anthony. As of right now, who do you want the 49ers to be matched up with? If you could choose, if you could select a team based off of kind of the current seating. Based off the current seating? Well, the Niners do have a legitimate possibility of finishing as division winners. It, it is very possible. If not, they do have a very good chance of winning the fifth seed too so anything is on the table man but you know what god it's just i'd overanalyze each playoff team because they all have a lot of strengths that the niners don't really match up to that well you look at dallas and it's like the wide receivers are nasty dak on a good day is a very good quarterback dallas still has a nice offensive line the defense is a little suspect but micah parsons is arguably the defensive player of the year so da dallas is getting hot uh the packers just won today I know the Niners have familiarity with Aaron Rodgers. Of course, you know, we've kind of smoked the Packers, and I thought we should have beat them this year too, so we have their number. Keep me away from Tampa Bay. I don't even want to mess with Tom Brady. That's out of the question. So I think, you know, if it comes down to it, if the Niners finish as a sixth seed, I they would have to play the three seed, I believe. So they would probably play the winner of the West which likely would either be the Rams or Cardinals. And you know what, man, if it just comes down to like 1A or 1B, you got to give me the Rams. I mean, I know Sean McVay is just a different type of beast when it comes to second half leads and stuff like that. But man, do the Niners just have the Rams number. And that opinion will change once again when the Niners play the Rams week 18. But I think just, you know, familiarity is a beast. And Shanahan owns Sean McVay. Ownage is ownage. And after the way the Cardinals and games have gone this year, even after Arizona somehow lost to Detroit today, Kyler Murray absolutely, you know, shit the bed, in my opinion. Yeah. And a lot of people say, you know, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury is kind of doing what he always does and chokes in the second half of the season, which he has. I saw a tweet that said, like, Cliff Kingsbury doesn't have a winning record in the second half of seasons. So from, you know, eight games on, which is pretty monumental to say the least. I, I don't know how true that is, but it's, it's pretty telling to say the least that Cliff 
doesn't really win. And I Matt Matt doesn't like Cliff. I know he doesn't. Matt's been a big you know big hater on Cliff, and all, I think all of us have too because I I don't like Cliff. I, I don't think he's a good head coach. I think Kyler Murray it's really saved him. So if you have to give me one of those teams, I will lean with the Rams. But at the same time too, you look at Cliff and what the Cardinals are doing and how they just lost to Detroit, dude. I mean. That, that, to me, just opened up the division. It really did. Even if the Niners are two back of Arizona now, it doesn't matter. I mean, absolutely anything could happen. So give me Arizona or give me the Rams. I think the Niners should hope that the playoffs stay within their division to start with. And then, you know, whatever happens from there is, you know, happens. But I think, Zach, I got to stick within the division. Okay. I like that. Um, I, I, I would – I want to lean to the Rams too, but it's – it's tough, and, and Haberman and Middlecoff touched on this too in, in last week's podcast. It's really tough to beat a team three times in one year. So if they're able to do it, but they still have, I know they still have that Week 18 matchup, but still, if they win, it's tough to get a third win. So we'll see, but they have that familiarity. Uh, Kyle does have McVay's number. Um, when I asked Theo Ash this yesterday when he was on, and I only gave him the options of Dallas, uh, Arizona, or the Rams, and he kind of said, hey, as a Packers fan, I would be kind of nervous if we went against the 49ers. He said, I've seen the 49ers have the Packers number way too often, um, especially lately. And he basically said, it took a miracle drive from Aaron Rodgers with 30-something seconds left at the beginning of the season. And that was kind of before the Niners were rolling. So he made a good point that the 49ers, even if they do have to travel to Lambeau, they have a good shot at maybe upsetting the Packers on the road, um, especially because they have a better record on the road than at home. Um, so wherever they got to go, because they are going to have to travel somewhere, is they should hopefully be able to, to not be impacted as much by that. Um, Ted asked, asked Matt how Jeff Wilson Jr. was today. We just went over that. He he, he did give Jeff Wilson Jr. some credit. Um, Perry, Brad had asked this earlier. You were tweeting about how mathematically the 49ers could still win the division somehow is this is this true i haven't looked at the math yeah man if the cardinals lose out they would finish 10 and 7 the rams lose out they would finish what 9 and 8 i think they're 8 and what 8 and 6 right now 8 and 5 i think they're 8 and 5 so they could finish 8 and mm-hmm. 9 or 9 and 8 the niners could finish what 11 and 6 so if that happens i mean if the cardinals lose out the rams lose out the niners win out you're talking 11 and 6 for the niners and that's the division right there and a lot has to rely on that. You know, I mean, the odds of the Cardinals losing out or the Rams losing out, I feel is pretty slim just because they are playoff teams. And sometimes playoff teams get lucky and they get hot and they play well, you know, so it happens. But it's possible, man. It's possible. And that's why, you know, today was the the Niners game today was the biggest game for the entire NFC. Because you said if the Niners lost, they only had a 43% chance to make the playoffs. And you're talking that the doors would have been open for Washington, for New Orleans, for Minnesota, for Seattle, for every competing NFC team right now. But instead, the Niners just shut that shit down, and they kind of locked in the sixth seed as of right now. So if they can win out, man, and if the Rams and Cardinals just happen to lose out. And also, too, I mean, don't forget Seattle, man. I think I... It's also possible that all four NFC West teams can make the playoffs, which would actually Haberman and uh, Middlecoff were talking about that the last spot too. They, they really think that could be a possibility also. So yeah, dude, anything is possible, but if something crazy were to happen, I think it would be the Niners just somehow pulling off the division. And, and then that's why I think it's important that they should have rested starters today because you got to keep them healthy, man. These last three games are going to be critical because you never know. You absolutely never know. 
And, yeah. and if the Niners could pull out the division, because if they pull out the division, you're talking a home game probably against the Rams or Cardinals either way, or or who knows, maybe Seattle. So you know, all three things are likely. And whatever happens, it's like, wow. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just like a big wow. Yeah. And the NFC West, last time I checked, had the highest winning percentage of any division in the NFL. It's mm-hmm. a tough division to play in. Um, the 49ers should just hope not to get in any sort of tie between the Rams or the, the Seahawks because they will not win that because they got swept by both of them. Uh, the best they could finish the season is two and four in the division. Worst is one and five. So that week 18 matchup versus the Rams kind of determines a lot of that. Um, before we proceed with wrapping things up, I saw Melissa commented in here, unfortunately, that she lost her grandpa on Monday night. I just wanted to say condolences to you, Melissa. You've been one of our you know, strongest supporters. Our condolences go out to you. We hope you and your family are doing okay in this tough times. Um, we'll say a prayer for you. And we really do um, send our condolences for you and your family. But wrapping things up here, Perry, if you had anything that you wanted to get out before this Thursday night game against the Tennessee Titans, what's one thing maybe you want the 49ers to correct on? Because today, winning masks a lot. What's one thing you want to see them improve on? If Ambry plays again, he needs help. He he will need help. I think you – we didn't talk about it too much, but you were talking about the deep balls Matt Ryan was throwing. Um, Titans offense predicates heavily on play action. And you're a rookie going up against play action, man. If you bite on that or you don't recognize and diagnose right away, you're going to get eaten alive. Odds are I think Ambry Thomas will – probably starting in i was actually kind of shocked to see dante johnson didn't start and Me too. that's I, I was really shocked i thought dante was gonna start i'm almost positive shanahan said he'd start but who knows i saw dante on special teams so maybe it was just you know maybe it was just an ambry thomas type of day but either way if ambry plays man i think the niners just need to send more help on his side whether it's bracketing the receivers on his tie side shifting a safety over to his side playing more three deep you know, kind of negate those big plays because Ambry will get eaten. And I'm not a fan of that. I'm not too sure what the Titans injury record is at the moment. I'm sure you guys will touch on that pregame next week or this coming week. But as it stands, man, I think if Julio and AJ Brown play, if they do play, it's, it's scary. It is. I mean, and I know losing Derrick Henry is very concerning for the Titans. And we saw the Titans just lost today to Pittsburgh and we, everything changed with Tennessee at the moment they lost Henry. And you have to rely on Tannehill more, who a lot of people say Tannehill is kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo, you know. So it's it's a matter of just limiting big plays. Give Ambry some help. Just try and let the pass rush hit home. Tannehill is another type of quarterback who struggles immensely under pressure. He is uh, prone to turning the ball over. And that's another thing, too, Zach, is we didn't talk about it much, but the Niners didn't turn the ball over today. Or no, yeah. I did once. I'm sorry, once on special teams. The offense Outside didn't. of that, yeah. Yeah, the offense didn't. Jimmy almost did. But I, Jimmy Garoppolo will probably throw an interception this Thursday because he has never gone three straight games without an interception. He's only he's only ever gone two. He's never gone three straight games without an interception. People don't talk about that enough. <laughs> That's the only thing on the back of my mind. Every time we hit that third game, it's like Jimmy's going to throw an interception. It's happened this season. It happened in 2019. It happened in, I think, 2017 before he got hurt. So it's going to be the turnover game again, man. Jimmy Garoppolo has to play clean football. You got to hold on to the ball. Special teams, offense, you got to force turnovers. It's I think Thursday will be a turnover type of game. Both quarterbacks might look ugly. And if it comes down to it, man, I'm on the fence about either turnovers or secondary issues. So kind of 50-50, but I started with secondary, Zach, so I think I'll lean secondary. 
Okay, I like that. Um, Aaron Paul took my answer. Improve on special teams on both sides. They cannot give up long returns. They cannot fumble on special teams. They cannot miss field goals. These little things, they may seem inconsequential, but they add up and they could determine you know, a win or a loss, especially in a close game. It's a short week. The players need to be mentally prepared as well as physically prepared. Special teams, I think, is huge. Um, also, they need to just... How do I say? keep the foot on the damn gas? You know, like just keep scoring points. I love a big lead. I love when the Niners get out to, you know, 24 6 or whatever the hell they get out to sometimes. But it's 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 kind of pointless if you then just stop scoring and you just tell your defense, okay, go win this for us now for the next two and a half quarters. You know, like it's it's a lot to ask of one side of the ball. So if they get out to a lead, I want to see them protect it and I want to see them continue to add to it because if not. It seems like each game is kind of going to be a heart racing finish for 49ers fans. I saw some fans tweeting today, you know, like we shouldn't be nervous up like 18 points with 10 minutes to go, but we are because it's this year's 49ers where everything seems to come down to the wire. So special teams improve on, take care of the ball, make your fit, make your kicks, make your field goals, tackle well, and then finish games, play all four quarters on both sides of the ball. They should be able to get this done against Tennessee Titans. I know they're a very tough team, but like you said, Anthony, they changed the second they lost Derrick Henry. They have a different identity now. So they still have some big pieces. However, I think the Niners can get the job done. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap things up? I think I touched on them all, man. The secondary turnovers, but you know what? Let's we just gotta end positive, man. What a win. What a great day today. It was an excellent day, 49ers football. I'm not going to lie. I came into this game a little concerned, ju- just a little bit. I was like, you know what? We blew it in 2019. Could have locked up the division, you know? And then the fourth quarter came around. And I was like, oh, here we go. They're not putting it away. <laughs> Matt, Matt in our group chat was like, you know, the game's closed out. Don't worry about it. But it's frustrating. You know, they had two, I think, two three and outs in the fourth quarter where they punted twice and Wisnowski was punting so-so, you know? And you see that. It's like, come on, guys, you know? But we saw it in the end where they got the final possession. I think they killed the clock with six minutes left or whatever. So the Niners were able to get the job done on that part. But you just want to see them do it sooner. You know, don't give Atlanta or any team the chance to come back. We just saw it with Cincinnati. We absolutely just saw it with Green Bay, too. You saw it with Seattle. You saw it with the Colts, even, where you let them come back into the game. And then that's it. You saw it with Detroit this season. You saw it. It's been the story all seasons, letting these guys come back. So <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I know I say end the positive, man. But damn it, just close these games out. Otherwise, great win. Great win. Your thoughts yeah. as well. I agree. Um, guys, we're going to wrap things up. But first, you got to make sure you go to my bookie. We got to plug our sponsors. Head over to mybookie.ag right now. When you sign up with code HIVE, you get your first p- deposit matched 100% all the way up to a thousand bucks. If you deposit, you know, a hundred dollars, they'll match you a hundred dollars. If you deposit $200, exactly. You know, you know the math, you know the math. Mybookie.ag, promo code HIVE. Today I won 140 bucks because I had a bet on the 49ers would be up seven to nine points at halftime and they were up exactly seven points. So we lucked out. Um, it was placed on my, my fiance's account actually. Because she supports the show. She went and signed up using Code Hive. You can bet on, uh, I think it's too late to place your bets tonight for the Bucks Saints games. But good thing is, we got two games tomorrow night because of these rescheduled COVID games. So the Raiders and the Browns play. And then after that, the Vikings and the Bears play. 
So go head over to mybookie.ag. Like I said, promo code Hive, as in 49ers Hive, and you'll get your first deposit instantly matched 100%. Make some money, guys. You can make some money with me. Um, we really appreciate my bookie supporting the show. Bet on anything, anywhere, anytime with my bookie. Next, Melissa said it right here. It's gold stamp time. That's right, guys. You got to check out Acre Gold. Click the link in the description. You no longer have to buy gold and fork out hundreds of dollars at once anymore. You can buy gold slowly. Um, pay $50, as little as $50 a month. And once you reach the market price of two and a half grams, Acre Gold will discreetly send you a two and a half gram gold bar. Matt calls it a gold stamp if he's here because it's small. Two and a half grams is a lot smaller than people think. So go to Acre Gold. The link is in the description and you can start buying gold for as little as $50 a month. Go check out Acre Gold. We appreciate you guys very, very much. Um, next, we got a shout out 81 by Terrell Owens. Go to 81vino.com, guys. And if you enter in code Hive, you'll get 10% off. Free shipping on two or more bottles. One of the greatest wide receivers of all time since started as a wine company. And you got to go check it out. You got to support him. Got to support the 49ers. And you got to support the show. So shout out to 81 Vino. Uh, lastly, you got to support our merch. This Trey Lance print, I finally got it right, right behind my head. That's available in uh, canvas and clothing. You know it. Shop49ershive.com. Promo code RGS15 will get you 15% off your entire purchase. Um, we just released a Christmas merch. It's probably going to be the only design because it's so late into the month that we're doing this year. But it's the George Kittle celebration, putting the tree right on the star. You got to go check that out. Um, we just got my sample the other day. It's wonderful. Shop49ershive.com. Promo code RGS15. 15% off your entire purchase, guys. Thank you for supporting our sponsors because they support us. Um, that's going to do it, though, guys. We, we got a fantastic win. The 49ers are two games up over 500, solidifying themselves a little bit more in the sixth seed in the playoffs. I appreciate all of you guys tuning in. Hit like, hit subscribe. If you're watching on Twitter, hit follow. Um, both of our handles are on the screen. You can follow us on Twitter as well. We will see you guys, I believe, on Wednesday. We're going to be previewing the... 49ers Titans game. So you know where to find us. We'll see you then. Anthony, any final words? Yeah, Zach, thank you so much for having me on the show. And gotta do a little little shameless plug on my own. Uh guys, I've been streaming video games lately. I'm really trying to integrate sports talk and video games because everyone loves video games, everyone loves sports. It's been something I'm trying to build up and I'm kind of finally getting it going. So if you guys follow me on Twitch at it's Anthony Brett, also a big 49ers hive. I'll talk all things Niners, all things sports. I really want to mix uh, sports and video games because I think it's a fun and chill environment and really nice concept that I don't think a lot of people do enough. You see a lot of video games and you see a lot of sports, both very popular, but you don't see them together. So guys, give me a follow on Twitch if you can at it's Anthony Brett or at Twitter, it's Anthony Brett, same thing. All the love is really appreciated. Zach, thank you so much for having me on the show. You know, I love doing this and I love it even more after 49ers victory, man. It's uh, great vibes all the way around and I already can't wait to watch the pregame show. That's right. And guys, go check out Forever Faithful Podcast. Our guys, Brandon and Christian, are going live any minute. YouTube.com slash Forever Faithful Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a great week.